This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fan podcast, sponsored by the Duke Blue Brotherhood Forums. They were lit over the last couple of days talking about obviously beating Kentucky the last two games. There's a lot of mixed feelings out there in Duke Blue Brotherhood Forums land because I'm barely got through that one. Um, so my buddy calls the game uh, on uh, on Friday night, and then I just moved down to North Carolina, and I'm thinking, oh, I'll, I'll probably get an invite, right? I'll probably get an invite for the game. Mm-hmm. No, not only did I not get an invite, my buddy asked my other friend, and he got to watch the game from the Crow's Nest. So I'm just not, get it off your chest. I mean, welcome back, you know, welcome back to North Carolina. Get it off Jeez your chest. Almighty. This podcast is all about validation. Get it off your uh, chest. Well, <laughs> well, speaking of validation, uh, I am now two for two in my player predictions. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Mikey Savarino did not hit over one and a half threes, so I'll chop up a win for your boy. Uh, but AC, you got to give you credit. You were pretty close on that Army game with uh, with your prediction. Yeah, 80, 50, you. So you, you redeemed yourself a little bit. There you go. See, had to bring it back a little bit. You know, just had to rein it in a little bit. Yeah. Um, so everybody, uh, everybody got to watch the last couple games. You know, we saw Duke against Army. You know, Army did a really nice job of hanging in there for a while, and then Duke kind of pulled away. Nothing really there, right? And then we play Campbell, and let's just say this from the beginning: Campbell is a really well coached team. AC. The the Big South is one of those conferences where. Honestly, in the past couple of years, there's been a few teams where they could have possibly put two teams in the NCAA tournament. The Big South puts out a good product, so I'm not surprised that Campbell came out. They're one of the top teams in Big South this year. I'm not surprised that they came out playing the way they did. They had some, they had some gunners. They had some good players. That was, I mean, that was a tough game for a back-to-back for us to play, and you know, we we didn't fail the test because we didn't lose the game, but we definitely didn't look great. Yeah, I mean, Jack. It's always nice because, you know, being honest, we got a lot of things to work on, but it's always nice to do that uh, coming in against wins versus, you know, having to learn and losing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, you know, it's always great to have a game where you you, uh, you got a team fighting, but it doesn't end like the Stephen F. Austin game did a couple of years ago. <laughs> Gross. Uh, I hate to, hate to bring that up. That was a <laughs> terrible night. However, it's good. It's good to see the teams uh, got some fight and – you know that's that's an experienced team. It's a well coached team, and uh, you know they they uh, they out schemed a lot of Duke players. Honestly, yeah, they definitely did. And and AC Coach K even brought it up at the end of the game or uh, in his press conference after the game that that could have easily been a first round matchup that they're going to see in the tournament. Absolutely, and that's why Duke schedules these games early on in the season. So, you know, these November games, it doesn't, this is not an indicator of what we're going to do in March, but these are the types of teams that you're going to see in March. And, you know, quite frankly, these are some of the types of teams that other Duke teams have lost to in the past, you know, i.e. Mercer. You know what I mean? So it, it's good to get these out of the way. It's good to be tested. It's great for film. You know, it's, it's a team you should beat the hell out of, but Kay gets to go into the film room and say, you guys aren't doing enough. So it's, it's good learning experience. Uh, you know what's also not a fun thing to do in the film room is point out that you were out rebounded by Campbell. You know, thirty four thirty one. I understand that the matchup, you know, isn't ideal for guys like Mark Williams and Theo John, but if you're telling me that those guys combined for three rebounds in sixteen minutes and zero points, I mean, come on, like at some point, 
Uh, Jack, was you yesterday? You were talking about the comparison uh, between that and a guy like Beja. Beja plays those games anyway. Yeah, Jaleel had a 2020 game against Elon, whose starting center was 6'7", and who shot a lot of outside shots, played a very similar game to how Campbell played last night. Um, and then a guy like Big Vern, I don't have any specific memories, but I do know that he never got schemed out of the game. I was actually looking at this uh, a little after we talked yesterday. Marshall Plumley only ever really got truly played out of one game, and even that game, he played 20-plus minutes. Yeah, the only game— kind of unprecedented. The only game I can remember Vern even, you know, partially getting schemed out of was Virginia Tech, and that's mainly because he was in foul trouble. Exactly, yeah. And then the other thing that I noticed for this game, uh, in these past two games, is AC Reach is not a good three-point shooting team, or, you know, kind of where do you see this? I mean, we shot 39% against Campbell, which was great. But, you know, one of 13, and then we shot 30% against Army, so... What are we looking at here? Are we going to start jacking up between 25 and 30 threes a game? Or do you see that number going back closer toward the 13 threes a game? Kentucky we took. Somewhere in the middle. I, I, the 30, 30 plus threes a game is that Syracuse game where the 18-19 team just decided we're not even going to try to get inside. But then that 13 threes a game, that was, you know, that's, I, I don't think that that's also indicative of what this team does. It depends on who's on the floor, right? So, yeah. You got to say it. We have to give credit where credit's due. You know, Joey Baker stepped up yep. in that Campbell game, and he played pretty much all of that second half because he's one of the guy. He's one of the five guys that showed K. I want to win this game, and that's kind of how it went. So when you have somebody who's supposed to be a shooter out there shooting, that's helpful. So I, I, it's going to be somewhere in the middle because Joey's not going to play that many minutes all season long. It's going to be somewhere in the middle between that thirteen and thirty, and I think we're going to live in that thirty-five percent. You know, three mark, but you can live with that though. You can live yeah. with 35%. I'm, I'm absolutely yeah. happy with that. With the way our guys can go in isolation, the way we can work off the ball and work down low. If if we ever start doing it, we can work down low as well. But and 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 also working those paint touches is going only going to help get those standstill three point shots that we want from the outside because right now we haven't really been getting them. It's been a lot of the dribble threes. So as soon as we can start making that offense work, man, it's it's gonna look better. The offense has been putrid at best yeah well that's one thing you know we'll, we'll talk about our expectations but jack uh you know when we were texting yesterday i think one of the things for me is offensively we have zero identity and defensively in my opinion i think we're we are way ahead of, of my expectation oh for sure yeah now the defense defense is way ahead of schedule in my book and uh i'm really happy with uh with that um you know, usually teams are a little more polished on offense and a little, a little more uh, confused about their defensive identity. The fact that Duke, Duke looks a little confused on offense, but that's kind of normal for this point in the season. But the defense, defense was there against Kentucky, it was there against Army, it was there against Campbell, and that I love that because that just means that we're going to see the team get that much better defensively as they kind of figure themselves out over the course of the season. Like this could be an all-time defensive Duke team. Who knows? Yeah, we certainly have the uh, the the pieces there. You know, we have the length, we have the size, pause. We have everything here for for us to be a, a pretty solid defensive team. But AC, help me off, talk me off the ledge here uh, offensively. Is it just going to be a situation where, okay, Paulo, you're touching the ball every single time down the court, and we're just going to play through you? And if heaven forbid you're not playing well, uh, we're screwed. Or how is he going to work this offense? to get us a little bit more balanced. Yeah, that's 
I don't think it's going to just be Paolo has to touch the Paolo has to touch the ball every time down court, right? Two things I noticed, and especially in the Campbell game, we were so much more efficient whenever the ball touched the post and whenever the ball touched the corner. Those are the two places the ball has to go because that's what makes the defense rotate. So far, we haven't made the defense rotate in any of these games. We made them rotate in spurts against Army, and that's how we built the bigger lead. We made them rotate against Campbell a little bit. That's how we built the lead on Campbell. And that's what we're going to have to do. And that's what Joey Baker added for us was someone in the corner. If you notice, I we were talking about on Twitter a lot. Joey, they were they were not giving Joey the ball early on. Like when he got in the game, they were they were literally just ignoring him on the floor. I don't know what that's about. I don't know where that came from. But at some point after the half, something was addressed and they started throwing the ball his way. And then good things started happening for the offense. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. So. We got, we got to get those corner touches. We got to get the post touches. We start doing that. The offense is going to look so much more efficient. And I think we'll start to see this Duke team start to reach their offensive identity, which I think lies somewhere around 80, 85 points a game. Right now, we're nowhere near that. Yeah, I, I think for, for, for me, uh, and, and I think it's a great point, certainly something we said at halftime of that game, because Coach K brings uh, Joey three-piece back, has him start and play every minute in the second half. So something was definitely said there at, at, at halftime to make sure that three pieces got in his. Um, and we're going to talk about expectations in just one second. But Jack, I wanted to ask you one other question about these games. Uh, in your in your opinion, did we play a couple potential NCAA tournament teams? Oh, yeah, definitely. Those are – Army's got a chance to make their first tournament ever this year. They're really talented, well-coached, experienced, and they got, they got the uh, – the skill to have their shots fallen from outside, that's, you know, I mean, live by the three, die by the three, but I think they can certainly make it. Campbell, you could see Campbell. You don't just come into Cameron and only lose by 11 and okay. not have a chance to make the tournament. Campbell's probably going to be a, a team that's going to be potentially an upset watch team. I'm, I'm on board with that 100%. They, they beat Hartford, which Hartford was an NCAA tournament team last year. They beat them by one in Cameron, and then they came in and did that with Duke. I, Cam, Campbell absolutely has a great shot at winning the Big South, which is a tough conference this year, and they have a, a solid chance at upsetting somebody in tournament, like Jack just said. Yep, so I think very good experience for our guys, and again, love to do it when you're 3-0 and instead of you know 2-1 and or 1-2. and So uh, pass off to our guys. They, they, they keep fighting. That's one thing I love to see. So... Let's switch gears a little bit and tab our favorite segment, the stock market segment, brought to you by GameStop. We got all this way, and we still haven't brought up the captain, Wendell Moore. Guy had a triple-double against Army. So let's start with him and talk about the stock versus your expectations coming into the year through the first three games. Jack, what do you got for, for Wendell? Wendell's way up. Way up. I mean, we knew he was going to be good. We knew he was going to be important. A triple double against Army to uh, to take the game, uh, just really take it away. Any chance that Army had to uh, to come back and be in it, that just that crunch time run that he kind of sparked on offense and defense. And then you saw everyone saw when he went down against Campbell on Saturday, mm-hmm. how how bad the team was with him off the floor, and then how how much better they played as soon as he got back in. Like, the defense was – he was so important there. The offense, like, his ability to facilitate both on and off the floor, it's just – it's so important to have a guy like him. And, I mean, even if he's not going to put up the numbers every night, he's going to have an impact. And because of that, my uh, my stock on Wendell is way up. 
Yeah, you know, you look at his numbers, AC, and he's only shooting 57% from the from the line. He's only shooting 28% from three. He is shooting 53% from the field. But then you also realize he has six, six assists a game to only two turnovers. He's playing 34 minutes a night. He's averaging 15. He's averaging six rebounds a night and, and almost two steals. His stock, to me, is up, and he's exceeding the expectations. That um, To be fair, we, we said he was going to be kind of Chris Parallel White, and this is the perfect team for him, and he had a big summer. I think, I think uh, Summer Wendell is now big game Wendell. What do you see? Absolutely. So far, so good with Wendell. It's, he's carried everything over. He's, he's still one of the youngest people on the team as a junior, which is crazy to think about. But you, know, he's, you can see that he's finally working his way into his body, working his way in, on the floor in terms of being comfortable, his mentality, all of it. And, and like Jack said, when, when he went down, the air went out of the building, the team looked flat, he came back, and it was an immediate upgrade. So obviously he's making the winning plays. That's why he can't fall in love with the percentages and things all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, the percentages don't tell the story of the game. So he, what he's doing on the floor, he's a threat. He's a threat to score, a threat to pass, a threat on defense. He's he's what helps make our defense what it is. I mean, we truly have the best defensive backcourt in the nation. That's that's my – I'm sticking with it. I'm dying on that hill. And it all starts with Wendell. And let's stick with the captains then. And, Jack, let's talk about your boy Joey Three-Piece. Joey has uh, – when he's not pump-faking everyone into oblivion, he's he's been great. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's been a little upsetting to see. All that aside, he mm-hmm. his confidence is there. And he he knows he needs to step up for this team, and he has been so far. I'm really I'm impressed. You know, three for five from three against Campbell. I don't remember the specific numbers against Army, but I know his his spacing has been tremendous for the team the last couple games. I'm I'm happy to see it as a a proud Joey Baker jersey owner. He <laughs> <laughs> sure it's not Lee Melchioni? It, it says Baker it says on the back, Baker. so okay, all right, all right. it's got the name on it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a brotherhood one. I'm, I'm very happy. Very happy to see this and that he hasn't transferred because that would have been a very bad look for me. But yeah, overall, impressed. Um, just pulling up the numbers for Army, he uh, he shot two for five from three, mm-hmm. so he's he's shooting 50% from deep over the last two games. He's got 19 points in that stretch. Yep. Yeah, That's all I, he can really ask for. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I think he is exactly who I thought he was going to be. He's a guy that if he comes in and he plays uh, and hits his shots, he's going to play. And if he doesn't, then he's not. And we kind of saw that against Kentucky where he did actually offer a couple different things that, you know, kind of showed toughness and maturity. That's something that, that Joe, because this could end up easily on south for him. So I'll say that he's meeting my expectations right now, which like Wendell, they were a little higher than I would have, you know, potentially said last year or the year before for both of those guys. So, yeah, I'm going to say he's meeting my expectations. What do you got, AC? A little, he's he's starting to rise in the expectation market because of the defensive side of the ball. He is not a liability completely anymore, which is awesome to see. You know, in Kentucky, he was trying to take the ball to the hole, things like that. Great, you know, if that if that ever happens, that's icing on the cake. Cool, but he's been the bench leader in minutes, and so far, forty percent from three against Army, and then what three for five against Campbell. It's like, okay, I, I don't I, I don't know how that translates the rest of the season, but it's a good start because that's a stretch we really truly haven't seen from Joey. So I like what I'm seeing and let's keep it up because we need, we need that type of play. We need that type of shooting. We need that type of toughness as well. And so let's stick it with, you know, uh, the upperclassmen here and talk about Theo. 
his numbers, I think, are very deceiving. You know, he's he's only shooting 28% from, from the field, 50% from the line. He only has, you know, he's only averaging two rebounds a game. But I think his toughness, AC, is why I have him as meeting my expectations rather than, you know, potentially a little bit below. Yeah, I agree. Meeting meet expectations is where he is right now. He was he was schemed out of the the Campbell game as well. Unfortunately, yeah. didn't look great against Army. He was he spent really honestly spent more time fighting that center from Army than he did really playing the game. Which you know that led to that flagrant foul that happened. Stupid foul, but whatever. But his leadership is great. I love his leadership. I loved in the Campbell game how that second half when he went out of the game he never sat down. He stood up the entire time on the sideline. I don't know if you guys noticed that that. That's a message. That's a message to the team. That's a message to everybody else. Like you know, he's he's locked in, and I love that about I love that about Theo. And I really, uh, it'd be it'll be interesting to see in games where you have more of a traditional post, what kind of if what kind of impact he has if he has a little bit of a better impact because I think he will. He has the measurables and everything else, the desire, all of it to to really show something better. And once we get this offense ironed out, I think it's going to help. It's only going to help Theo's game. Yeah, and Jack, you know, wrap this one up for us with Theo. Where is he landing uh, versus your expectations of him? Yeah, no, Theo, uh, just on my expectations going into Kentucky game, he is uh, he's meeting them. Um, again, stats don't always tell the whole story. He is, he's done a lot of things that you can't really measure, his, his intangibles, his leadership, his um, intimidation factor. All are very, very big. Um, again, yeah, shooting 28%, but that's – having taken three shots in the last two games. That really doesn't doesn't say much. He was two for four against Kentucky. That's the only time he's really gotten an opportunity to put the ball in the hoop. The defense is there. The rebounding and like boxing out is there. I'm not worried. And again, like like you guys said, I um, I think he's going to have a much bigger impact against a more traditional lineup. So let's stay in the front court then, AC, because <sighs> if, if he... We're here, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't We're even here, know. I don't we? even know what to say here because um, we we have to. So he's averaging fifteen point three points per ga- or uh, minutes mm-hmm. per game, right? And you know that was a Freudian slip there because mm-hmm. most people thought he'd be averaging about fifteen point three uh, points. So he's averaging the same exact amount of minutes as Theo is. And I again, I'll give it the caveat that it was a bad match against Campbell. One hundred percent understand that, but. I we we tried to tell people right. We tried to tell people coming into this year that the expectations of Mark may be a little inflated, and he's going to have some moments this year where he's certainly not meeting the expectations of the fan base. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he had a phenomenal night against Louisville to end end the season on a high note. He had a really nice last five games, but let's not mm-hmm. forget what he was before that. And so maybe while Link came on. Team's gonna steam for him a little bit more now, right? And so I don't know if he bought into his own hype, but uh, you know, and I don't know. I mean, Mark's a great dude. You know, we love him, and he's gonna be fine. But right now, I mean, there's nowhere to say other than he's not meeting anywhere close to the expectations, and even and even mine were tempered to begin with. That's absolutely true, and I, I, I don't know that it's I don't know that it's him believing his own hype. He's he has he hasn't given me the vibe of you know I'm that dude give me the ball or do anything. Yeah. Yeah. He knows, he knows he's not that type of player. The thing with Mark is it's, it's what we talked about. He's being schemed out of games, which is going to happen with a player like that sometimes. But when you are someone who's expected to potentially be a first round pick in the NBA, 
have the end of the season that you had. Of course, the fans are going to feel like you need to be in the game at all times. He's not he's not that type of player, honestly. And he's I think he's showing that right now. And I also think that there is there's there's a rise ahead. So right now, go ahead and buy some Mark stock right now. Yeah, it's, it's low. It's about as low as it's going to get. Go ahead and buy your Mark stock now. And then you're going to see a nice little rise and you'll you'll be able to put that chunk of change away because he, he's going to get better. I, I personally we called it a couple years ago with FSU. I said, that's the Cam Reddish game where he's going to break out and show us something. And it happened in that game, and all of a sudden, here it goes again. But I think with Mark this time, I think the Gonzaga game, it's more traditional. He's going to want to prove something against Drew Temme. And I really think that the Gonzaga game is going to be where we see Mark have one of those end of season, you know, end of 2020, 2021 season type of games. Yeah, I mean, Jack, you know, the numbers are just completely disappointing. I mean, to not even be averaging four rebounds at this point, that's just not going to get it done. Kind of wrap this one up, though, for us with big Mark. I'm not worried. I'm not worried yet, I should say. Um, yes, this is concerning. How um, I've been overthinking this for a while. Kenny Denard called me out on Twitter for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Kenny, Kenny calls a lot, a lot of people out. So I, I'm not taking it personally. He knows. Yeah. He knows. Former show, former show guest, Kenny Denard. Let's go. I forgot he was on. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, like I'm, I'm not worried. Mainly because like I've had I've had some time to think about it and not have that instant knee jerk reaction. He's gonna be fine. He's not an elite interior scorer like a Vernon Carey or a Jaleel Okafor, and he's he's not mobile enough to really go up against a guy who's mm-hmm. six seven and can maybe like move with the ball a little better, and can maybe force him outside. That's not Mark's game. Mark is an interior scorer and defender, and you can't like. You can't expect him to be consistently at this point in the season in the game when you have a team that can run five out. That's going to that's gonna force him out of the game. I think, again, Gonzaga, it's a tra- traditional power forward center team, so Paulo and him are going to feast, I think, on Chet and Timmy. Um, I don't know who guards who in that situation, but I think that game is going to be the big one for Mark. It's going to be a turning point. All right, let's keep it with you here, Jack. Um, got some water uh, because I want to talk Gosh. about I want to talk about your boy Bates Jones ooh, ooh, wait, and the what? fact that he is not. Wait, wait, yeah, he's, he's shooting he's shooting a hundred percent from three. He's doing a Marshall Plumley. Yeah. So I mean, for you, is he exceeding your lofty expectations? I mean, I expect him to play more than he is. Honestly, just from everything I heard in the off season and what we saw in the exhibitions and Countdown to Craziness. Um. I kind of hoped he would be able to fill like a Jack White role of like corner threes and some like hard defense. He has not done that so far. That being said, I definitely had expectations that were a lot higher than they should have been for a guy who averaged two points and two rebounds at Davidson. <laughs> I mean, it's all um, it's all yeah. because you were on a podcast when That's one really... of the hosts was trying to tell you this. Look, I'm gonna stick. Look here, here, like like I have said. So Bates is meeting my expectation. He'll play some. He won't play some. That's kind of how it goes. He's a grad transfer. Didn't play a lot at Davidson. Didn't produce a lot at Davidson. But he has a skill set that this team sorely desired and needed. And if Theo and Mark are having trouble, if he has one of those Coach K press post game press conferences, oh Bates had a great practice type of games. You know that, that that's what he's gonna do. He's he's gonna play probably in 17 games this season. And in a couple of those, he'll be somewhat of an important factor because he'll hit a couple threes that we need. That's kind of how it goes with Bates. All right, so let me let me ask you uh, about AJ because I think that this is a good one to to discuss. He's only averaging nine minutes a game right now, but you know we kind of 
have said from, from the beginning here that they're going to bring him along slowly. Where is he, AC, against our expectations? Because I kind of, I kind of feel like he's meeting them, to be honest with you. True. Meet, meets expectations. I, I, I'm going to say it. You'll hear me say it probably every single episode of this podcast. February is when we see a good AJ. It's it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. What I'm hoping is that the kid is just not getting discouraged with the sitting. Right. I mean, and, and his family, too. You know, I mean, the family's always a factor. His dad is an NBA scout. He knows the kid's game. I don't know if this is I don't know if the family is a part of the decision to sit him and let him rest and get the knee back to shape. I don't know if he had any setbacks. I don't think he thought he did. He seemed like he was moving pretty well on the court. He had his first three against Campbell uh, of the season. So and it looked good. It's that AJ Griffin rainbow three that he shoots. So we'll see how it goes as it moves forward. But he is he is someone we need to be good for this team to reach their ceiling, their full ceiling. And like I said, February, I think, is when that's going to happen. Yeah, Jack, what do you got for uh, for AJ then? Um, yeah, you know, this is pretty severe knee injury. So seeing how uh, how AJ did so far, I'm I'm very happy with his progress. The fact that he's even able to play at game speed at all at this point is incredibly impressive. And again, that three looked good. I I really think he's going to be a pretty big force once he's back to 100. percent But again, who knows how long that'll be? That could be in like a month or two. It could be in three months, which is you know. Mid February, right as we're getting ready for the ACC tournament, I'm I'm thinking he's doing good for the circumstances, though. All right, so let's keep it with the freshman here, Trevor Keels. Obviously, he has the blow up game against uh, Kentucky. Kind of kind of back down to earth a little bit for uh, for Trevor Keels. Um, AC, what do you got for Trevor? Back down to earth in terms of the numbers, but still as effective as he was in that Kentucky game in terms of the defense leadership on the court, the kid talks, he never stops talking, talks to the refs. He talks to the other team talks. He's just talking to the other coach at one point, the dude talks. So he never stops. I love it to death. So I'll I'll keep it short. 25 points was a lot for Trevor, especially the first game out. He's going to show up in those big time games. That's what those PG kids do. That's what those Paul to six kids do. And, I think he. I think he's going to sit somewhere between that ten and fifteen points a game mark. And what I want to see is just a three point percentage come up. He's taking a lot of dribble and two threes right now. I'd love to see him get some set threes because that he is phenomenal with the set three, which is very rare for a freshman to do. Yeah, I think that, that you know he he has just a toughness about him that Cage mm-hmm. just has to be solid in watching him play because you know he's going to. He he has such great body control. You know, Jack, when we played against Kentucky. There were multiple times where he's up in the air with these guys and just kind of keeping his body. Like that, I mean, that was, those were NBA moves. So mm-hmm. to me, Trevor's meeting where I have him uh, and kind of thought he would be. You know, I didn't see that 25 you know point game against Kentucky coming, but overall, I think he's pretty much exactly who we thought he was. What about you, Jack? Yeah, no, I, I think he's he is meeting my expectations again. That Kentucky game, I don't think anyone expected it from him. However. I think since then he's been what we expected. He's going to be a shooter. He's able to facilitate. He's able. He's like a. He's a good defender. He's able to, uh, like you said, he's able to control his body really, really well. So um, again, yeah, he's he's meeting my expectations. There's not really super much to say that hasn't been said about Trevor. Well, let's keep it with his backcourt mate then, Jack, and talk about Jeremy Roach, who's averaging actually the most minutes on the team so far, which I think is always a good sign when Coach K can trust his point guard enough uh, this young season to have him be able to basically mm-hmm. be playing 35 minutes a night. So what have you seen from Jeremy? Where is he on your expectations? Um, Jeremy is, honestly, he's exceeding my expectations. 
Uh, I know AC is going to have something to say about that, but uh, he's he's exceeding my expectations. His ability to get to the hoop, to pass, or to go into a really nice layup move when he gets to the hoop, regardless of how big the person who's uh, who's going up with him is, is incredible. And uh, he really is like the catalyst for the offense at this point. And I, I too am very happy that Coach K has the confidence to put him out for that long with the team take take it away AC. he's meeting my lofty expectations what do we say in the preseason podcast i said jeremy getting to the inside getting to the rack getting to the inside making the kickouts is what's going to make this team going we saw it in the second half against campbell we saw it against army that's what the dude does man he's not going to be bobby hurley let's duke fans pump your brakes who are listening to this he's not going to be bobby hurley he's not going to average five six seven eight nine ten assists a game that's not his game that's not this team he is going to do what he's doing. He's leading the team. He's getting the ball to the exact right spots. He's making plays when we need them. This is what Jeremy Roach does, man. I've been trying to tell y'all. I've been trying to tell y'all all along. This kid's a winner, and he is he is absolutely meeting my expectations, and they are very well, lofty. Spe- speaking of uh, meeting expectations, the best player in the country, Paolo Bancaro, you see. He is. Uh, he's the best player in the country. Absolutely. He's doing this on like seven, uh, uh, like ten shots a night. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like he's out there, you know, jacking up shots. He's efficient, and this is where like he's and he's only shooting fourteen percent from the three. Right. So you know, I'd like to see that, you know, obviously rise and or you know not take as many. But he knows his game. He knows his game. He knows who he is. Nineteen and a half points, eight point seven rebounds. The guy's the guy's just a stud. Yeah, absolutely. Meets expectations. He's, like you said, best player in college basketball. It's not even close. It's a joke that he's outside of the top 10 in Fox Sports or whoever it is in their, their you know, college rankings or whatever. It's a joke that somebody continues to say he's not the number one NBA prospect. You're stupid if you're in the NBA and you don't draft Paolo Banquero. It's, he, he does he does everything on the court. Like you said, he's only shooting 14% from three. It's not even like he's shooting a bunch of threes. Yeah. You know I mean, so when, when those shots start falling, like, it's season's a wrap for anybody who's guarding him. So, but at this point, you know, he's, he's really only operating in two levels efficiently and he's still the best player in the country. So that should tell you something. Yeah. Jack, uh, anything to add here on Paulo? I mean, the guy is just, he's awesome. Oh yeah. No, he's, I mean, our expectations were lofty. He's meeting them. One thing I'm concerned about is the fact that he only has one assist through three games. I think he does need to look to pass the ball a little more. That being said, he's been incredibly efficient. So, I can't really be mad that he hasn't been. And let let me say something about what you just said too. Some of that is on his teammates. When he gets the ball, it right now it is he gets the ball and it's let's watch Paolo operate in ISO. When he gets the ball, we have to scheme some kind of off ball pick action or something to get some people open for him because he is he is a willing passer. He showed that in the Kentucky game, and that the the off ball movement when he touches the ball is terrible. The off-ball movement, for the most part, actually isn't bad. I know Duke fans want to see more motion, so this isn't Hoosiers, all right? We're not running the picket fence. But but when Paolo does have, when Paolo does have the ball, we do have to move off-ball much, much better than we have because right now it's been stand-around. We don't want to go JJ watching again. Correct, correct. No, that is the one fear that I have with this team is I don't want it to be another situation where, yes, JJ watching, you know, RJ and Zion clear it out and you guys do your job and everybody else watches. Um, that's certainly a concern, and I think it's a valid one. But overall, I mean, you can't blame him. The guy is just he's a, he's a phenomenal basketball player, and he's proven it. Play. So we are 3-0, and AC, 
And, you know, we've had three different types of games. We came into the season ranked number nine. Uh, the rankings just came out today. We're up to seven. Do you think that's about right, or do you think we're... Yeah, for where we where we showed and where we are right now, yeah, so I'll, I'll take seven at the moment. I'll take it from where we started, where we are. We're better than seven, but, we, you know, it, that that will work itself out. We, are, we haven't shown that we're better than seven yet. It'll work itself out. Yeah, and Jack, I mean, we've, we've watched a lot of other basketball games. You know, we've, we've, we've seen UCLA beat up on uh, Villanova, which I thought was actually pretty impressive. Uh, you've seen Kansas against Michigan State just kind of dominate them. Uh, we've seen we've seen Gonzaga, you know, have a couple impressive wins only. I know we got them in a, you know, a couple weeks. But, um, you know, overall landscape, where do you put Duke uh, in um, in kind of the powerhouse? Duke is Duke's top five in my book. I, uh, I don't understand how Nova was able to stay in the top five. Um, if Duke lost, if Duke loses to Gonzaga, they're going to, if Duke loses to Gonzaga, I don't care where, if they're ranked top five, top 10, they're not, they're not going to be higher than 15. I don't think just, you know, it's Duke bias. Um, that's also me talking as a Duke fan. Right. That's a different <laughs> um, I think, honestly, I think UVA is suddenly being slept on. They had the, they were, they had the second least amount of votes in the poll this week out of anyone who got votes. Um, you know, they fell from 25 to 44th overall. FSU fell to 31, just looking in the ACC. UNC's at 18. Virginia Tech's at 26, if you want to count past the top 25. But those boys in the top 25. Well, we don't have enough time for this, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> yeah. But to touch on what Jack said about UVA, though, like, I, I think UVA, out of all of them, I think UVA is the pretender. They... It, with without Tony Bennett, this UVA squad is nowhere near. They don't even sniff the top twenty-five. So that's testament to Tony Bennett or whatever the people who still want to you know tell us that Tony Bennett's the best coach on the planet. There I mean, go. he was overrated, right, right, Dad. Exactly. And, 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 and it's not even his fault. <laughs> like, there's there, there just like this right. Jay Billis notion that like he introduced, where all of a sudden Tony Bennett is the best uh, coach in college basketball. No, he's not. He's not even the best coach in right. his own state. If, I, if I'm being honest with you. Right. And when it, this will iron itself out as UVA starts to play some tougher teams. Like, Navy is a good squad, and UVA got beat by a good squad. Like, our, this Duke team, by the way, is going to crush UVA because of how we play the game. But we'll get to that later. It, they're, they're the pretender right now that's in that, that top 25 range, and let's get them out of here. They will, they'll prove themselves out here pretty soon. Have, have you seen uh, AC between the Gonzagas, the UCLA's, Kansas, Michigan, Obviously, you kind of touched on Villanova. I mean, that's obviously a tough place to go to probably the win and win. Um, have you seen anybody here that sh- that you know doesn't belong in the top ten right now? You know what, Ohio State, that team they have EJ Liddell. They have they have a top flight player, so that's what's keeping them in. But Holson is also one of those guys who was on a hot streak as a coach for a hot second, but now it's like, eh, you're starting to see the real the real him come out. Ohio State is also because they 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 they're they're ugly like that that first game that they won by one point congratulations to them that's that's an ugly team that they're gonna sit in the top five for a while or top twenty five for a while and as when they get into their Big Ten schedule we're gonna see the real Ohio State come out too I think I think Ohio State doesn't really belong in that in that range and and this is a team that we play in a few weeks so hopefully mm-hmm. uh, you didn't just reverse jinxes here. Um, all right, so that, there it is, just kind of a, a high-level overview of uh, college basketball right now. Let's play. But one of the big days of the year is signing day, Jack, and we had a all for John Shire's first class. 
Yes, sir. And, and, are we, and, are, and are we still on pace to get one more? I mean, I don't have any official word. However, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, Officially unofficial. There it is. Yeah, I, I don't have any sources. I am not Woj. I am not John Rothstein. I am not uh, Paul Biancardi. I am, I am Jack, and <laughs> I think that Duke is certainly looking good to get one more five-star recruit whose mm-hmm. name I will not say. However, he shares <laughs> a first name with a certain starting center. <laughs> that being said, I think the guys we signed, Lively, Whitehead, Filipowski, and shoot, I'm, I'm really I'm thrilled that they are officially in, in the uh, brotherhood now, and I, I'm really just – I can't wait to see how they do with Coach Shire next year as much as I – I don't want to say that just because I don't want K to mm-hmm. K to leave. I'm I'm excited to see how these guys do next mm-hmm. year. They're they're gonna be really good. Yeah, I mean AC, we've talked about their games before, each one of them individually. Who's your favorite player of our current committed class? Derek Whitehead. Derek yeah. Whitehead is a, a future, potentially a future NBA All Star. That dude, I, I always I I continue to compare him to Young D Wade, and I will continue to do so. I will constantly say that he reminds me of D-Wade. It's the closest thing we've had in basketball since D-Wade left to that type of player. The dude is tough. He shoots. He scores at all levels. He is – he's amazing, man. He's he's like – what I think – I can't remember what his rank is right now. Uh, somebody remind six, me of his rank. Six. six Stupid. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. I, 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 text, I texted you, AC, a week or two ago, yeah. and I was just like – I was watching some videos on him, and I'm like, this is the best player in the class. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't – like – I don't understand how you have somebody six six with the body that he has and the things he does on the court. Like, I think the thing people are still skeptical of is his jump shot. Like, he wasn't a good jump shooter before, but look, the kid gets in the gym, man. Like, he never leaves. Like, this dude is constantly, constantly working and tweaking his game, and he took it to heart when people said he wasn't a shooter, and he made shooting a part of his game, and he is unstoppable at that point. Like, People are saying what he does doesn't translate to the NCAA and then to the NBA. Like, there's, oh, he can't get it to the rim all the time. He's just doing it against high school guys. Said the same thing about Zion. I'm not saying he's Zion. But he, the way he gets to the rim, you have to watch what he does. The way he gets to the rim, his footwork, the ball handling, his body positioning, the angles, all of it is pro level, man. And this dude is a baller. Shaden Sharp is the top player in the class. I agree with that. I think Derek Whitehead is right. Wait, wait. Shaden Sharp is no longer That's here true. at That's Kentucky. True. It's true. lively. That's true. Good point. Good point. Yep, Derek Lively is not the number one player, but Derek Whitehead should. He, he, if that's the case, Derek Whitehead should be number one, and then I'll take Derek Lively as number two. No problem. All right. All right. I'm just going to ask you real quick, Jack. Is Jaden shoot the best shooter that we have had in recent memory? Shooter brand, shooter brand. <laughs> Shout out. We need to get the shooter brand sponsorship. For real, no. Nah, um, in all seriousness, I think, I think he's he's going to be an elite shooter, like. I, every every time that Duke gets a shooter, we say that, but I think Gary Trent level of three point shooting, maybe. Yeah, it's different. He's different. He is different. That's the thing. Like I can't really find a comparison off the top of my head. He's he's good, and I think he's gonna be. Is is Shire a good comparison? I mean, Shire took a lot of threes, yeah. and it took him took him a while to get the percentage up right but when he got it up he got it up. I, I, I mean that's i think it's fair I, I, it's not fair to say jj it's not fair to say jj no right. I, mean, I think Shire, and, I, and, I, and i didn't want to say luke Kennard either because i don't think that's fair i don't think it's far off though remember luke's freshman season was pretty bad 
And I think yeah. you'll see something similar to, to with, with Jaden shoot. I, I, I really do. I think that's going to be very similar to Luke. I, I actually think that's not a bad comparison. They, they do it. Can, they do it in that. slightly different ways, but it's, it's not, it's not that far off. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to it, obviously, but I, I can definitely see that comparison. All right, so big class for, for John Shire. Glad that we were able to wrap that Martin up. Mitchell, and come on down. I'm calling yeah, it. Yeah, and hold on. I took the words out of my mouth, DC. Hopefully we get Mark Mitchell in the next couple weeks It's not weeks hopefully, well. believe me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, we, we, yeah you want another AC bomb? You want another AC bomb? Mark Mitchell is committed to Duke. Doing it on TV. Mark Mitchell's committed to Duke. It's, 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 it's really just depending on you know what day he, he makes it official here. Play. Um, all right, so we got three games coming up here in the next uh, eight days or so. Starting off with uh, AC's favorite team, Gardner Webb. Uh, who, who are they, AC? Like the, the Bulldogs or yeah, something? Yeah, the Bulldogs. Okay. Do you know anything about them? I, they're a small ball team. They're not a high scoring team. I think they're only scoring something like 60 some points a game. They're one of the lowest in the NCAA. That, that's about as, as far as it goes. It's another small ball team, though. So it's like. Can we get Mark and Theo involved in this game? That's that's the only storyline for me here. Can we get those guys involved? If we can get them involved and out rebound Gardner Webb, I will be I will be happy, and I think the rest of the Duke fans will be happy. What's the what's the score? Uh, let's go Duke ninety two. Let's go Gardner Webb sixty. Wow. Okay, uh, Jack. What's your scoring prediction? Pretty similar, about ninety to sixty four. I'll say. 64. Okay. Yeah, you guys are kind of right around. I'm, I'm going to just be different. I'm going to go, I'm going to go 87, 65. And then we go and we play against your boys over at Lafayette. <laughs> I just played at Lafayette. Just, just for the <laughs> record real quick. I hope you're wrong. Cause I don't see, I don't see Gardner Webb getting their season high against Duke. Yeah, fair enough. All right. So what do you, what do you got against uh, Lafayette? <laughs> Lafayette's a more traditional team. They they roll out two big guys. They got a seven-footer on their squad. This is one of those games we say would fit Mark's style more. So, again, this this is an important week for Mark. Leading up to Gonzaga, this is a very important week for Mark. Another traditional type of team coming out that Patriot League. I'm going to say it's a, they score a little bit more than Gardner-Webb. So, give me, give me Duke 90. Give me Lafayette uh, 70. Okay, I got uh, 94 to 58. I'm basing that off of absolutely nothing. Jack, what do you got? 100 to 66. Syracuse beat this team by 35. Oh, perfect. They did. Syracuse looked real bad the other day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got the Citadel next Monday, the 22nd. That's their last game before we head to Sin City. Mm-hmm. Jack, what is our this game right what here? What do we got here against uh, Citadel? Well, um, they beat Jeff Capel and Pitt, so. Yikes. Not not saying yep. super much. That being said, it's not a great look for Coach Cape. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, they are led in scoring by a couple of guys who are 6'8 or shorter. I'm trying to look at their roster, and it only shows four guys starting both of their games, so that's helpful. There's a, there's a guy named Roach who scores like 24 points a game. Oh, and... hopefully there's a guy named Roach who scores. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Um, yeah, Roach was actually the guy I was missing. <laughs> For some reason, he's listed as a DNP <laughs> on their website. Um, but yeah, so they they are again. They're a smaller team. They all their entire roster will shoot threes. 
So that that is something to kind of keep an eye on. But I think I think Mark will play well against a team like that, especially if he has good practice time. Theo, same thing. I think he'll play because um, again, this is Duke's not going to always be able to go small, even against a smaller team. Sometimes you got to dominate inside. That all being said, mm-hmm. I this is a team that will run a very high pace offense. Yep, they scored like a hundred and thirty yep. a couple of years ago, if I recall correctly. So, um, yep. yeah, I think, I hope Duke can run them out at the gym. <laughs> we'll see. Wow. My guess is uh, 112 to 81, <laughs> just because of that high pace. <laughs> I, I, honestly, no, honestly, you're not, you're not way off. Like, the Citadel scores a bunch of points. Like, they scored 100 against Morris College after they played Pitt. They scored 78 against Pitt, which I think is slightly underrated. That's Pitt, Jeff Cable likes to slow the game down, especially with the current team he has. He wants to play slow. He said it in press conferences, and they played slow, <laughs> but Citadel did not. So, you know, come on, coach, <laughs> get it together, because because they ran him out the gym. This team shoots a lot. They run. They they get a rebound where they end the ball. They inbound the ball so quick. That's gonna be something you're gonna see this game. Watch watch how fast they inbound the ball. It's crazy. I'm I'm putting this game. I'm not far off from Jack. This is going to be Duke's first hundred point game because of the pace. We're going to have to. We're going to have to do it. So I'm going to see us around 105, and I'm going to see Citadel right around 85. All right. Well, I have uh, listed down here 107 to 79. So we're all kind of right right in that ballpark. Um, it's going to be a big week for for Duke because you know, like Jack said, you know, and and AC same same things. You know, yeah, we're three and zero, but we have no offensive identity other than, you know, somebody gets hot when Trevor, and you know what you're getting from Paulo. This is a, this is a big sequence of the season for for Big Mark, and we need him to to, to rise to the occasion because on the 26th when we play Gonzaga, that is going to be the matchup of the year for the front courts. So we got to see what we we got, but I got. I got high expectations for Big Mark. I think he's going to meet him. Let's go, Duke. Let's go, Duke. Let's go, Duke. Thank you for tuning in to the Five Point Play Podcast, the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out at Instagram at Five Point Play Podcast. That's the number Five Point Play Podcast. And on Twitter, Five Point Play Podcast. Go, Duke. <laughs>